All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining tonight. Tonight's problem, again, the problem of exclusivity. Why is exclusivity a problem? What does it mean? Anybody want to tell us what the problem? Why is exclusivity a problem in the first place for Christianity? He's a loving God. Why would he exclude anybody instead of just saving everyone? What, Jenna? That hurts your feelings, right? Right. That's your truth. My own truth is different. Yes. Mm-hmm. If you're exclusive, you're doing me harm and violence, and I feel unsafe using all the trigger buzzwords I can think of to use at the moment. Yeah, so... What is, uh, what's the public sentiment about religion in general, if there is such a thing? Well, they're all the same. They're all the same. Yep. All religions are basically the same, yep. right? There are many paths to God, so to speak. Yeah. Anything else? Mikey, I think I got a slide up there. How about that bumper sticker? Does that look familiar to anybody? coexist. And of course, you have all of the religious symbols within there. What's the problem with that sentiment? They all contradict each other, right? The reality is all those things are making exclusive claims. So can they truly coexist, all of those religions together? Not really. But I mean, I understand the sentiment behind it, right? And as far as uh, the humanistic kind of charity, kind of let's have grace, let's not go crazy, you know, let's not hate each other. You know, maybe we can agree with that. But in and of itself, by, by definition, those, those religions are making exclusive claims. So they can't really um, coexist, ultimately, because they're making different claims. I saw another bumper sticker that said, my God is too big for any one religion. Yeah, my head, whatever my God is, yeah, it's got to, it's got to, it, it can't be just, you know, one religion. So, how big a problem is this? What do you, of all the problems that we've gone through, and we're coming on down to it, man, we got like one more week and then a summary week. How, how big a deal do you think this is? The problem of exclusivity when we talk about objections to Christianity is a big deal, little deal, nobody cares. No, I would say it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty big deal. Um, that's a very, very common sentiment that we hear. Very, very big argument against it. Uh, you're in good company, Ken, because Tim Keller agrees with you. He thinks it's a really big deal. He says this, uh, I don't know when he wrote this, but during my nearly two decades, which probably by this point is three or four decades, in New York City, I've had numerous uh, opportunities to ask people, what is your biggest problem with Christianity? What troubles you the most about its beliefs or how it's practiced? And one of the most frequent answers I've heard over the years can be summed up in one word, exclusivity. So he says that in his experience in the Big Apple, this is the biggest objection to Christianity that he sees. Right? So here maybe we can look at it as a problem statement, as a little uh, syllogy. Um, there are, uh, let's see... Um, Christianity claims that Jesus is the only way to God. There cannot be only one way to God is the response. And just pause there for a minute. Why, why would people say that there can't be only one way to God? 
They don't like it. <laughs> okay. What are the common objections? Why, why can't there be just, you say, well, no, there's only one way to God. And, and your neighbor or your friend says, no, that can't be. And what do you think they'd say? Why? Why not? Okay. A standard to evaluate that by? Yep. Um, what about all of the billions of people that don't believe that? Yeah, how did we end up with so many religions if there's just one, one exclusive true way to God? And what, what are you, they can't all be wrong. And what are you saying exactly that all those billions of people are wrong and you're right, Ken? Man, that's quite a statement. Um, what about the idea that, well, it's just cultural. I know. <laughs> what about the idea that religion is just cultural? Like, Hey, you know, if you were born in Morocco, you'd be a Muslim, but you're born in New Jersey, so you're a Christian, right? So it's, it's another common reason why you'd say that. Um, or it's just cruel, arrogant, or stupid, or whatever else you want to say to believe that there's only one true religion. So Christianity claims that Jesus is the only way to God. There cannot be only one way to God because of, insert your own answer here, some of them we just went over. And so, therefore, the conclusion is Christianity is false. And Christians are stupid and should be disrespected for such a terrible, terrible idea that it's exclusive. Sounds like an exclusive statement. I would train you. Oh, you're going to shed a tear. We trained you guys so well. It is an exclusive statement, and we will talk about that in a few moments. So let's look again at how our worldviews would answer this problem. I got another slide here. So we'll look at our three worldviews. And remember, when we jump into worldviews, remember that worldview colors your perspective. How you look at life is going to color everything about it. I read a book this week, uh, and he brought up the famous quote, I believe, by Aristotle, does a fish know it's wet? Right? And the answer to that is no, because... That's all a fish knows. <laughs> we would know we're wet when we jump in the swimming pool or the lake, but a fish doesn't know it's wet. And the idea is that's your worldview. It's all around you to the extent that you don't even realize, you know, you're in it, why you think the way you do. And this author said, regardless of its origin, there is perhaps no better way to illustrate the powerful effect of one's worldview. The fish doesn't know it's wet, and a lot of times we don't even know why we're thinking the way we're thinking. Christians hopefully do, because our worldview is dictated by this, but maybe Joe Schmo on the street might not even realize that whatever worldview he's um, kind of meshed together in his brain really affects the way he thinks about things. So let's look at our three worldviews. Atheism, with nothing at the center. Atheism might say to claim there's only one way is unbelievably arrogant. You Christians are so arrogant. Are you telling me that everyone else is wrong and you're right? Thousands and thousands of years and billions and billions of people. Famous atheist Christopher Hitchens said that it was fantastically arrogant to claim to know the mind of God, which he doesn't believe exists, but that's not the point. So he just, he pretends God exists just for the sake of that quote for a moment, right? But he said it's fantastically arrogant for anyone to think they know the mind of God. And so anyone who claims absolute truth then is therefore arrogant and should be dismissed. Like that just can't even, you know, 
Can't even think about it. Can't even take you seriously. What's the problem again with that? If you think that, you know, this is just, uh, you know, Christianity is exclusive, therefore you're being arrogant, therefore I'm no longer even going to pay attention to you. Caleb. You can know the mind of God, right, if he tells you that. Yep. And of course, we would say that's in the Bible, but an atheist would be bent over laughing at you by now, right? Right, right. But in our... Exactly. In our worldview, we say you can know the Word of God, right? The, who God is, right? How would that work for the, when you get pulled over on Route 94 for speeding or whatever else? And the police officer says, speed limit here is 25, and I clocked you, Justin, at 57. Because you were late for Bible study or something, I don't know. All right? You did? You did? Oh, my gosh. That Oh my goodness. Sometimes you're just going to get a ticket no matter what. I got a ticket the day after Christmas bringing Mel's mom back to her house and it was that same thing like her house where you could see it. It was over there. She did not care. She was giving me a ticket and that's it. I thought she didn't get the engagement ring that she wanted for Christmas, so she was a little cranky, but I didn't actually say that to her. But so, I mean, isn't the police officer saying, claiming some, he's so arrogant. He says that that is the speed limit, and that is the only speed limit. That's not my speed limit. So, right? That's not going to work very well in real life, right? Again, we've talked about it before. What about when the doctor comes in and says, well, I have your pathology results here, and yeah, you have cancer. Say, well, that's arrogant. That's your opinion. That's, 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 you're claiming exclusive truth, and there's no such thing as exclusive truth. Right? Nothing else works like that. <laughs> that's the point. Our whole lives are, are, function on exclusive truth, right? And so it's not really arrogant, even though they would say that, right? What do you think's behind someone who would say, well, that's arrogant? What, what, what's, dig into the heart a little bit. Why, why does that bother somebody so much? They're not going to be told what to do by God? Yeah. Yep. What about us? How does that, yeah, I mean, that's certainly true, right? Because if there is a God and he is exclusive, then I'm going to have to do what he says. And I'm pretty sure he's not going to like how I live my life based upon some of these things that I see in the Bible. What about from person to person? Because arrogant, like you call somebody arrogant, like, you know, there, there's a little bit of feeling behind that, right? What's that? Pride. Yeah, how so? Um, with the pride, like he's claiming that you're proud or they're claiming that you're proud or? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Tony, you got that swagger, like you don't really consider other people, it's all about you. Okay, yeah, definitely, pride. What else? Any other things, why, why we think that sentiment comes up? What about what they, the, the Christian, you're kind of jumping into the mind of someone, right? 
if, if you're the Christian and there's exclusive truth and there's a God and he's going to tell you how to live your life, then maybe you're thinking that I'm not holy. Maybe you're judging me. Do people like to be judged generally? No, they absolutely hate it. And so the moment that they sniff that you might be in judgment of you, of them, they're going to react to that. And so, yeah, you holy rollers judging me. I saw you the other day. You yelled at your wife. You're not so holy, right? If it were your neighbor. <laughs> so atheism, one thing they might say is to, to claim only one way is arrogant. Another thing they might say is religion is cultural, right? We talked about that a moment ago, right? So if you were born in a Muslim country, you'd be a Muslim. If you were born in a Hindu com- country, you'd be Hindu, right? Does that stick? That's a tricky one. Any thoughts on how we might respond to that? Caleb. Somewhat irrelevant. Go a little farther with that. Okay, so, the, so if, there's, if there is exclusive truth, it doesn't matter where you've come from or your background, right? You just have to, yeah. Yeah, Sue. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You change your religion, no matter where you are, right? You feel that rejection. Yeah. Bless you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. So religion is not, religion is just a part of your culture, like food or like clothing or something else, as opposed to something that defines your world. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good, that's, that's probably very accurate to say that. Yeah, Frank. Yep. You were Dutch, you were reformed, yeah. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Dutch and Reformed are good things. <laughs> right. So, yeah, exactly. But So what we're hearing is that is, that's why it's tricky because it is kind of true. You, no, definitely can't date a Baptist. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's what makes this tricky is it actually is kind of true. Like Yeah, exactly. They might have sections, the Dutch Reformed in one section and the Baptists in another section. Yeah, you got to keep the Baptists way away from the dance floor and, you know, not so far up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it is, I mean, it is actually, yeah, it, it's culture does play a part in it, right? But a good question to ask if anybody ever starts going down that path and say, for example, they're atheists, ask them, like, were your parents atheists? Sometimes they'll say no. And then they just shot themselves in the foot because it's like, well, okay, by your argument then, you should be whatever your parents were, right? But you're not. And that's actually a clue to what's going on because that we need to just find out the truth, Right? We need to seek the truth, whatever that is. And so even, you guys know this because you're smart Christians and super Christians and you're here on a Wednesday night so you get extra Jesus points like we talked about. But you don't, you don't become a Christian just because you're raised in a church, right? You guys know that you have to come to that understanding yourself, right? The outside world looking in would say you guys are just sheep that go to church and that's all you ever know and you really didn't think about it for yourself. That's false, hopefully, because we all have come to that understanding for ourselves. That's what we need to be doing in anything and all things. Um, we need to be coming to the understanding of the truth for ourselves. Um, and likewise, you know, where did, ask somebody, where did those beliefs come from? If they are having this kind of discussion where they know enough to push back on the exclusivity of something, believe me, they have already tried to do a little search for truth. So they're already breaking out of their own kind of cultural norm. And so they would say that like, it's, like you can't do that. And that's not true. That's not true. Religion is influenced by culture, but it is not completely dictated by culture. And so that's another thing that an atheist might say. And, and maybe third, they would say exclusive religion is harmful. Like look at the Crusades. Look at all the, look at all the holy wars. Look at all those things that people died and look at all this violence and look at all this stuff, Right? See, the exclusivity, drawing hard lines between religious people is just going to make more violence. It's going to do more harm than good. All wars caused by religion, which is completely false. But Yeah, so maybe an atheist would respond in one of those. And uh, as Sue has wisely pointed out, she gets an A for the rest of the night. So <laughs> This fails because this is an exclusive truth claim. In and of itself, those things are exclusive truth claims, right? Somebody says there can't be exclusive, there can't just be one way. Okay, well then, therefore, you're saying somebody who thinks that there's one way is wrong. And so if they're wrong, then you're talking exclusivity, wrong and right, black and white, right? So once again, it, it doesn't logically make sense. <clears throat> atheism is an exclusive claim, right? And if you say anything other than atheism you're deemed wrong, which is then exclusive. So atheism might talk about some things like that. Let's look at selfism, with self at the center. And you're not going to be surprised 
to think that they might say, all religions are true for them. You Christians are so narrow-minded, right? Maybe the atheist camp would be a little more hostile and say, you're arrogant, maybe more of a selfist worldview uh, or humanistic worldview would say, whoa, whoa, you guys are just way too narrow-minded. You got to expand your mind. The way to God is what you decide the way to God is, right? In other words, all religions are their own truth. Now, up there, I'm going to have to dictate this to you, but there is, see, we lost a little bit not being in the law office, but this is often illustrated by the picture of several blind men and an elephant, and so you see these guys are looking at the elephant. Well, they're not looking at the elephant because they're blind. They're feeling around the elephant, and each one is saying something different based upon what they're feeling. So this dude over here is feeling the trunk, and he comes to the conclusion that an elephant is like a big snake. And this guy's dangerously picking up the elephant's foot, about to be crushed, and he says, no, an elephant is like a tree, a tree stump. This guy over here is, is feeling all of his hide and everything and says, no, what you're trying to say is an elephant is just like a, a giant piece of leather, like a big hide. And this poor guy who's got the bum end of the deal for sure is in the back of the elephant in the danger zone. And he's holding the elephant's tail and he says, no, the elephant's small like a mouse and furry, right? And so each person's blind and then they come to their own conclusion of what the elephant is. And somebody might say, that's what religion is supposed to be like. You just all come to your own conclusions of what that is. What's the problem with that? They're all still, <laughs> they're all, they're all still wrong. Okay. <laughs> what about the guy who's telling this story? Right? The guy who took this picture, the guy who's recounting all this. This is where this illustration falls down, is because he's not blind, and he's looking at this elephant, and he knows they're all wrong, right? And so there actually is exclusive truth, and these people are the deceived ones, but the guy who's looking at this picture knows that they're wrong, right? So this is the danger of that, right? Um, I was going to read it out of Keller, but I'm pretty sure that I said exactly what Keller would said. I did. I'll just read his little summary. This illustration backfires because it's told from the, the point of view of someone who's not blind. How could you know that each blind man only sees part of the elephant unless you claim to be able to see the whole elephant? How can you possibly know that no religion can see the whole truth unless you yourself have the superior comprehensive knowledge of spiritual reality that you just claimed none of the religions have? <laughs> that says it only like Keller can, right? So all religions are true for them. What is this called when somebody says, "True, the truth is true for me, maybe not true for you? Remember that? Yeah, relative truth or relativism. Yep. Christianity is your truth, not my truth. It might be true for you, Tina, and I'm happy that you found your truth, but that's not my truth. And don't talk to me about your truth either, because you'll do me harm and violence, and I feel unsafe. Um, what are the dangers of relativism, or why does relativism fail? Does anybody live like an actual, what? 
Yeah, nobody actually lives that way, right? As we said before, nobody picks up a medication bottle, looks at the instructions, and is like, eh, I'm going to take four a day instead of one, just because I want to, right? Because that's my truth. Yeah, comes. <laughs> What'd you say, Ken? Yeah, I'm not going to put any gas in the airplane or the car. Yeah, whatever. It says empty, but eh, I don't think it really is empty, right? What? Well, that's a different, that's a different worldview there. How close to the E can you get before you actually have to fill it up? I'm much farther away from the E than other people might be. Anyway, <clears throat> and again, this is self-contradictory, right? Because uh, somebody would say, well, there is no such thing as objective truth, is again an objective truth claim, right? It's often said too, and this is a quote from uh, Rebecca McLaughlin, who I'm giving away her second book tonight, remind me. Um, it's often said that you should respect other people's beliefs, okay? We're getting into very familiar territory here. Like if Jen says that she believes X, Y, and Z, who am I to say that Jen's wrong? I just got to respect her beliefs and let her believe that, right? It's often said we should respect other people's beliefs, but that's wrong. What is vital is that you respect other people. And there's got to be a difference between respecting people and respecting their beliefs, right? Because then we get into the idea that if I disagree with Jen and her beliefs, then I am disagreeing with Jen, I'm doing her harm, I am refusing to acknowledge her existence as a person, etc., etc., etc. And that's just not true. Nothing works like that. We're supposed to engage with each other. We're supposed to think about beliefs. We're supposed to have critical. That's one of the biggest dangers, if anybody's read, it's not a Christian book, but The Coddling of the American Mind. Um, huge danger on college campuses because they're all turning into this echo chamber, right? The idea of college is that you're supposed to be exposed to different things. You're supposed to be exposed to different beliefs. You're supposed to read things you don't agree with. You're supposed to have debates and think about these things. Now, you can't do that. And so everybody gets canceled who's going to come in and speak something that's different or disagree with. What? Yeah, no one has an original thought. Yep, yep. And you can't have any other ideas because then that's, that's, you know, we're supposed to respect my beliefs. Well, no, we need to push back on that, right? I can disagree with you and still respect you. That's a huge thing in our culture, right? Keller said, too, it's no more narrow to claim that one religion is right than to claim that the one way to think about all religions, like our all truth, is right. In other words, you know, it, you're saying the same thing again. You're, you're still making an exclusive truth claim, right? You have to think about it my way, not your way. You have to think about it my way. So, what we also get to with this kind of thing is keeping the truth to yourself. Like, okay, you got different beliefs, that's fine keep them to yourself, right? Don't, like Jenna said, don't, don't tell me about, don't tell me about that. The two-story truth, I want to be in the realm of facts and everything else. Don't tell me about what your beliefs are in the upper story. That's your attic. You go there when you want to go there, right? And that's not really possible, right? Because, again, everybody's going to go up to that second story eventually, that's worldview borrowing. Everybody's going to try to find meaning or value or ethics or morality or something, and that's all the realm of the Christian worldview. So again, nobody lives like this. Nobody actually lives like this. And so this fails too because selfism is an exclusive 
truth claim, right? And so maybe, Mikey, before we go to the next slide and I give away all the answers, let's talk about the last one, theism. Theism is with God at the center. What does theism, Christian theists, biblical theists, what is our response, what is our position about the exclusivity of Christianity? Jesus is the only way to God. And I liked how you said that, too, um, that it's Jesus himself that claimed that, right? And that's a really important distinction that we'll, we'll talk about in a couple minutes. But Jesus claimed to be the exclusive way to God. So we need to stand on this, right? Eventually, it's just one of those things you're going to have to come right out and say that, yes, Jesus is the only way to God. And somebody quoted already, John 14, 6 is uh, one of our key texts for this. And Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Am I being unclear, people? Right? This is, I, I say that pretty clearly. Any other verses before, oh, there they are. Dang it. Any other? Oh, they are too. Ephesians 2. Just say that to, you know, test you guys. Make sure you're paying attention. Ephesians 2.18, For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Through him, him being Jesus. 1 John 5.20, And we know that the Son of God has come and given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is true God and eternal life. Very, very clear. Acts 4.12. Very familiar verse. Acts 4.12. And there is salvation in no one else, for there are several names under heaven given among... No, there are... There is... There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There's no other name. There's one. It's Jesus. This is what Christianity claims. In 1 Timothy 2.5, there's one God and one mediator between God, the man Christ Jesus. Right? So we've got to have some of these verses in our back pockets to go to. But I want to harp on John 14, 6, because we've got to make a very subtle distinction right away that we're not claiming Christianity is exclusive. Jesus is claiming that Christianity is exclusive. And we've talked about this before uh, when we got to the problem of Jesus, right? What is Jesus' own self-understanding? Who did Jesus think he was? Right? So... If we're going to stay down here in the level where, you know, I'm arguing with Tina and Tina says Jesus is the only way and I say, no, that's narrow-minded, right? It's not a person-to-person. -person. We, we've got to bring it up a notch and say, well, it's not me. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I believe what Jesus said. And so, and that, that 
That is a subtle but very, very powerful distinction that we need to make, even for ourselves, right? Because sometimes we get stuck in Christianity and churchianity and stuff and think that, you know, John 14, 6. But we remember, no, it's actually Jesus who said that, and we do believe it, right? We have to rely heavily on Jesus' own words and his own self-understanding. So Jesus is the way to the Father. What are some other exclusive, while we're on the subject... Any other exclusive truths of historic, orthodox Christianity? Exclusive truths of our faith. Non-negotiable matters. First order stuff. Trinity. Yep. Yep. The deity of all of those persons of the Trinity. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Yep. That Jesus was both God and man. We claim that as a first order exclusive truth. Resurrection's a big one, huge one. Paul says, we don't have the resurrection, we got nothing. Yep, God created the world, absolutely. So sometimes, too, broaden your thoughts, right? It's not just Jesus is the only way to the Father. Okay, well, that's one very, you know, granddaddy exclusive claim. But the whole of Christianity contains many, many exclusive claims to truth that are non-negotiable. And we could go on and on and on. Yeah. There was no conference room meeting with Allah. And yeah, yep, definitely not. So yeah, so there are many, many uh, exclusive truths of historic Orthodox Christianity. All right, let's talk about how to respond. Just pull some of these things together. First, all truth is exclusive by definition. Truth itself, if it's true, it's exclusive. Because then it's either right or not right. It's either true or false. True by, truth by definition is exclusive. One plus one is actually two. It's not 785 or negative 3 or whatever it is. Yeah, Sue. I was just going to say, and by that definition, um, there's only one truth. Yeah. So if you take the truth of God and say matter, that's the same truth. Yeah. Perfect segue to a quote that I saw that said, truth is true whether you believe it or not. It's, it's kind of outside ourselves. And then again, you know, we've, we've talked about this before. You see how our culture has changed. That's why they hate that, right? Because we're no longer a culture that submits to outside objective truth. I'm the determiner of what truth is, right? But again, nothing works like that. There actually is outside objective truth that is true, whether you want to believe it's not. You could say it's not snowing outside and go outside in your shorts, but it actually is snowing outside. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I love the way you said that. Your self-generated truth is truer than truth. Yes. <laughs> that is very arrogant. Yeah. To think about that. And it flies in the face of reality. Right. Right. 
Definitely. So you can see we're getting into really the reality of what is truth in general, right, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, and we talk about uh, other religions when we bring it in. Uh, Islam and Judaism and Christianity, again, think of the bumper sticker, like think of the three big, biggest religions, Islam, Judaism, Christianity. They don't claim in and of themselves to be parts of the same truth. They claim exclusive truth that is directly in contrast with each other. All right, and so just we've got to realize that, that even if somebody says all religions are the same, no, they're not. Just look at the three big ones, the three big monotheistic religions, right? They all claim that different people are exclusively God. That can't be right. And so, you know, religion is not basically all the same, right? So what they're really saying, as Caleb brought us to so wisely, is that all religions are false. Because we know that truth actually exists. Everybody lives by that, right? But they're different. And again, Muslims, for example, would think the Trinity is blasphemy, okay? So somebody's got to be right. It's us, by the way, just making sure you know that. So all truth is exclusive by definition. Second, as we talked about, uh, Jesus understood the Christian faith to be exclusive. Jesus understood the Christian faith to be exclusive, and my friend Michael Kruger, in his book that I gave away already to some lucky soul. Sorry, we don't believe in luck. Some God-ordained, fortunate brother or sister in his Surviving Religion 101 book says this. Remember, he's writing his letters to his daughter, a fictional daughter at a fictional college. As discussed in my prior letter, we do not claim to have true knowledge of God because we're better or smarter or more, de more devoted than other people. Our knowledge doesn't come from our own efforts to figure out God, but rather it's the result of God graciously revealing himself to us. For Christianity, religion is not about humans finding God, but about God showing himself to humans. It's not about God seeking out lost sinners to open their eyes. Oh, I'm sorry. It is about God seeking out lost sinners and opening their eyes to the truth. And that is the, the opposite of an arrogant claim, right? Christians have solid grounds for believing Jesus is the only way, namely because he said that, because he told us that. And this question is just so good. Is it arrogant then to believe what Jesus said about himself? Kruger's so smart. Is that, is that, so is that arrogant? Like the guy told, I'm just respecting his truth. <laughs> it's like when we want to mix around with pronouns and God and say, no, I'm just respecting God's pronouns because he says he all over the place. So we'll just stick with that, right? So Jesus understood the, the Christian faith to be exclusive. And again, we're not claiming the truth. We're claiming to believe what Jesus said is the truth. Related to that, all religions are mutually exclusive. And we again clarify the error of all religions are the same. And here's one of the biggest ones. Only Christianity has the answer to the problem of sin. Only Christianity has the answer to the problem of sin. There's no other worldview that can address evil, sin, suffering. It can't. And that's one way where, you know, we say this is, this is the truth and other people say this or don't even address sin, evil, and suffering. 
Kruger says Christianity claims to be the only way because it is the only religion that offers a real solution to the problem of sin. What is the real solution to the problem of sin? Highlands Bible Church people. Jesus. Jesus. Everybody's like, he can't mean Jesus. <laughs> yes, Jesus. Right? The idea that that's the whole reason Jesus came is to solve the problem of sin that we then inflicted on God's creation and what grace that is. Okay, another response. Disagreement doesn't mean disrespect. And sometimes get that out early, right? I had lunch with a gentleman who was on the opposite side, and I said, listen, before we start, I'm going to disagree with you, but I still respect you. And can we, can we both agree upon that? And get them to say yes. Because if I disagree with your lifestyle, can I still love you? And he said yes. Good. Get that out early, right? Because that's one of the major stumbling blocks, right? Challenging other views. Here's, here's a little way that we can kind of turn this culture a little bit towards us, right? Challenging other views is a form of big buzzword diversity. Like diversity doesn't just mean ethnicity, right? Diversity means intellectual diversity among many, many other things, right? So yeah, I, I want to listen. I want to hear what you're saying. I want to even consider what you're saying as a way of honoring diversity, right? And really, when we're saying all religions are the same, you're respecting none of them. I think somebody who is a uh, Muslim would be really, really angry to say that, yes, I believe the same thing that Christians believe in their Bible. That's because they know that's not true, right? So by saying all religions are the same, you're respecting none of them, right? And so we've got to strive for a little bit more of diversity, and that's pushing against the cultural norm, but also you're using a, a cultural buzzword to say, we all want diversity, right? And, that's some, and that requires some sort of disagreement, this also means when we get right down to it, right, we're just not going to accept everybody's views just to be polite and respectful, right? Oh, okay, your religion, Sue, uh, believes in child sacrifice. That's, that's nice, right? Nobody's going to say that, right? So push it to its logical extreme, right? Nobody, if it's true in the, lo- in the, in the extreme examples, it's going to be true in the smaller examples too, logically, there, there has to be a line, which is always moving in our culture, the moving target, where morality is going to say, that's just wrong, right? What? I thought somebody said, huh? What is your moral compass? Yeah, absolutely. You don't have a standard for that. That's why it's always moving in our culture, right? But it's not really true that if we, if we disagree with somebody, that means we disrespect them. At some point, we're going to disagree with them. Everybody does couple more. Uh, religion can't bring reconciliation with God. We're, you guys know this. We're not after religion here. Christianity is not a religion in the sense of the word. How could you define religion in and of itself? What would you say? Not Christianity. Think outside your biblical worldview. What is religion itself? Yeah. Yeah. Man's attempt to placate, satisfy, be accepted by the God of your choice, whatever that is. Yes, religion is the opiate of the people. 
yeah, he thought it was just a, a drug to keep them calm and distracted, right? Which, again, shows he didn't understand the Christian religion, right? But yeah, religion in and of itself is not what we're talking about here. And by our own actions, we know, as biblical worldview people, we know we cannot satisfy God. We know that no man by obedience to the law will be saved, right? So you got to get really on the same page of what we're talking about by religion. And then it's a great opportunity to bring in the Christian worldview and say, look, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that nobody can do that. The Bible says that nobody, nobody will be accepted by God because of the goodness of their actions. It's impossible because we're all sinners and every other religion on the planet says that except for biblical Christianity, right? So religion can't really answer the question. Religion can't bring reconciliation with God. And so we have to teach that the answer is actually not religion at all. Yeah. Or I'm spiritual. Which again is selfism, right? Here's a couple, and this kind of brings us really to more of a gospel, because again, guys, I don't want us to walk out of here and like, you know, have cheat sheets and be like, oh, he said this, so then response 27B, ha ha, I got you, right? We obviously, this is for evangelism, this is for, you know, really causing people to think Christianity is actually the opposite of exclusive. Christianity is inclusive, because all are welcome to come to Christ. And Jesus is not going to stop anybody. Romans 10.13, which is a, a quote of Joel, which is a quote of Acts 2, which we just were in Bible study. Romans 10.13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Right? That's what we got to remember. We say, no, Christianity is not exclusive. Christianity is actually inclusive. Doesn't matter if you're man or woman, doesn't matter where you come from, it doesn't matter what your background is, what your ethnicity is, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Christianity is actually inclusive. And last but certainly not least, guys, if it's true, like just think about that. Think about think about that. If it's true, which we say it is, if Christianity is true, the gospel's true, it's not exclusive. It's the ultimate compassion to share the gospel. Like, okay, if it's true, if Sue doesn't believe this, if Sue rejects God and the offer of salvation through Jesus Christ, and it's true that Sue will spend eternity in hell, it's then not a bad thing for me to tell Sue about the gospel. It's the ultimate compassion. I am compelled to tell Sue because it's true. Yeah, what were you? Yeah. Yeah. It's not a, we're not saving anyone. 
right? God's the one doing the saving, right? But you're right, and I liked what you said, that sometimes we communicate these things in a way that, you know, maybe it, it shows we don't believe them ourselves in some way, right? But when you get right down to this, this is not an intellectual argument. This is somebody's eternity that's hanging in the balance, right? And so we have to care for the people that we're talking to. Like, no, this is true, and the implications of you not believing this are eternal. That's why this is a big deal. Yeah. Yep. Right. 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 Yeah, and, and we can come up with a host of examples, right? You know, somebody's dying and you have their life-saving medicine, but, you know, I don't want to force this decision on them that they take this medicine, so I'll just, you know, keep it to myself. It's like, no, of course you would offer it to them, right? Because it's true and it's going to save their life. Caleb. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Pascal's wager. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 And that goes to trusting his character. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, past what? Faith. Faith, yep. And that's true, right? We've got to get to the realization, too. We've said this a couple of times, that we're, we're never going to be able to prove this beyond a shadow of a doubt. Like, we get that, right? But when we're looking at this with our own intellect that God has given us and our own brain, and of course, as Sue brought us to, the Holy Spirit, right? It should be overwhelmingly clear to us what is true and what is not true, right? So the real question becomes, why is, not why is it so exclusive, but is it true? That's where it really comes down to. Because if Christianity is true, then exclusivity goes out the window and everybody needs to be saved. So if I had a big idea, I would say the heart of Christianity is exclusively Jesus. We bring it back down to Jesus. The heart of Christianity is exclusively Jesus. And I found a nice quick little video online um, from an apologist talking about four key claims of Christianity. And I'll just hit these quickly before we close out. These are four facts. We hang our hats on facts, right? Christianity actually is a factual religion. Number one, Jesus died by crucifixion. So if the heart of Christianity is exclusively Jesus, and we're talking about exclusive truth, it's exclusively true that there was a guy named Jesus, and he died on a cross. We have lots of historical accounts of that. So Jesus died by crucifixion. Another exclusive truth that's factually verifiable is Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was dead and made alive again. 
Another one, number three, Jesus converted his enemies. The guy that I was watching is a, a trial attorney. And he said, imagine having a witness that was the worst witness against you. And he was passionate and he was well-spoken and he was intelligent and he was your worst enemy, right? Because you didn't want that guy in the stand because he could really do some damage. And imagine he flipped and then realized that it was true. That's the Apostle Paul, right? The Apostle Paul was their biggest enemy as Saul and then was converted and now became the biggest testimony. That's a, a verifiable fact. Paul's a historical figure, and we could see him before, and we could see him after, right? Exclusively, something happened there, and that's massively important to our worldview. And then last, of course, and certainly not least, Jesus rose from the dead. And people are going, oh, you can't verify a miracle. You can't do that. The resurrection's a miracle. Okay, find his body, and then the, then the discussion's over, Right, let's talk about facts. The fact is we can't find his body. So where <laughs> you would think if anybody needed to find the body of somebody, it would be somebody to find the body of Jesus, and that still hasn't happened, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somebody would have cracked. Somebody would have cracked. They're killing people by the dozens. Somebody would have been like, no, his body's over there. Let me live. Right. Oh, yeah. David's over there. Yeah. Yep. Still there today. Well, sort of, from where they think it is. Yeah. And Paul says, you know, if Christ hasn't been resurrected, we're to be pitied more than anyone on the face of the earth, right? He says, if Christ hasn't been resurrected, you're still in your sins. Our faith is futile, and this is, this is all worth nothing, right? So we hang our hats on exclusive truth, too. But keep in mind, these, I thought these were four really good, uh, objectively, factually verifiable exclusive truths that we can talk about, right? Because if these things are true, then that changes everything, right? That's some of the facts of the gospel message. All right, questions, comments, encouraging remarks. Yeah. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 15. Yeah, when Paul says he's alive and he received the testimony from the scriptures, he was buried, he was resurrected, well, go ask him, throw over there. He had dinner with Phil last week. Yeah. Okay, so two books to give away. This is a really cool book uh, by our friend Rebecca McLaughlin, a very smart lady. We gave away one of her books before. And it is called Secular Creed and has the rainbow flag on the front of it, right? And the idea is, um, it says, she says, engaging five contemporary claims, right? So our culture might say, well, we don't, we don't, we don't hold to any exclusive things or we don't hold to any creeds, Right? And, and Rebecca so wisely says, au contraire, like you do. And she goes through a few of them. Black Lives Matter, love is love, gay rights, transgender stuff, all of that stuff. So really good, really accessible, really smart book, really small book going away to the first person that raises their hand, I saw her. And then a bonus giveaway from our friends at Highlands Bible Church Women's Ministries.
This is a book called Remember Your Joy by, <laughs> by Courtney Doctor and Melissa Kruger. She goes with Michael Kruger. They're married. Um, and so this is the book that the ladies will be doing for their ladies' Bible study, Tuesday night Bible study. And so ladies, Noel, raised her hand first. You don't have to buy a book now. Compliments of the ladies of the Bible study. Okay. Any other questions? Thoughts? Yes. Worldview borrowing is very plentiful. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> one, um, one apologist I listen to has a way of saying uh, when he's talking to someone, look down. He says, look down. Look at where your feet are. And everybody, they're always like, what do you mean? Look at my feet. It's stupid. And he'll say, you're standing in my worldview. Because, you know, you're, you keep borrowing. You're going to talk about morality. You're going to talk about what's right. You're going to talk about ethics. You're going to talk about that. That stuff's not in your worldview. That's my worldview. So get out of my space. You know, look down. Look at where your feet are. That's just funny. But it happens a lot. It does happen a lot. And, of course, they would say, well, no, you don't have an exclusive claim to morality. That's cultural or that's whatever. It's like, well, okay, but where does that come from? <laughs> right? Okay. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you again that we can be together tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, these things that we can look at, even just these last four things that we can gain uh, assurance from, confidence, faith. Uh, Lord, thank you that you just um, not, have not hidden these truths from us, Lord. You've made them plain to us. And Father, we pray that you will help us to build our faith and to build our confidence and to really engage those around us with the hope of Jesus. And we pray it in his name. Amen.